Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Today we are starting our last feedlot research call of the year, so let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great, great. So, Brooke, the, the past uh, few months we've been talking about beef on dairy uh, research. Is, it's been more like review papers, right? So, mm -hmm. today we have one research paper, but there's some uh, unique things about this uh, publication. So, what is the paper that we are going to be talking about today? And what else you have to tell us about this? So the paper we're going to talk about today is titled Crossbreeding Beef Sires to Dairy Cows, Cow Feedlot and Carcass Performance by Forker and others that was published in Translational Animal Science in 2022. So similar to other publications that we've seen, this is a very recent publication, right? Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, the others were reviewers, but this was a more observational study, right? Right. So what what the what the authors were looking for and how they what they were let's say observing and researching as well and and what was their approach and what they were looking for. So in this they uh they took three approaches to kind of look at the impact of beef on dairy uh throughout the entire sector impact so that includes the dairy and the beef side. Um so first they looked at dairy performance data from two commercial dairies um, and these both commercial dairies had at least 5,000 cows. Uh -huh. um, and both dairies used conventional beef semen and conventional dairy semen. So that was an important thing that they were looking at. So one dairy, uh, one interesting part I thought was one dairy did not select cows based on productivity to breed with beef semen. They just did it kind of indiscriminately. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other dairy bred higher producing cows to dairy semen and lower producing cows to beef semen, um, which is a trend we we've seen before. Yes, that's what we've seen. Like the the good cows, let's use uh, the hosting bulls, and the mm -hmm. not as good cows, let's say I won't say worse cows. The they were using a, a beef semen, but that, that's pretty good. So they were they were taking more like a applied approach, looking at uh, a real farm data and trying to describe what was happening there, right? Right. And they wanted to look in this particular part of the study. They wanted to see how um, breeding that cow to uh, beef or dairy, how it impacted their production as far as milk and then um, uh, breedings after that, after that cow. Perfect. And, and not gestation length, if, I, if I'm not wrong, right? Right. Exactly. So, so, uh, do you want to go for the findings in this section or do you just want to go over the whole paper and talk about the, the feedlot part as well? Let's uh, keep going with the other uh, methods just so we can kind of run through all of the the um, results together. Um, so the second part they did was feedlot performance. So they looked at closeout data um, from feedlots for beef and beef on dairy cattle. So they did, did not... Uh, pure Holstein in this analysis, it was just beef versus dairy. Okay, so um, they had and, the first the first section, the dairy farm, the second section, the feedlot phase, but now only beef mm -hmm. versus beef on dairy, right? Exactly, and mm -hmm. they uh, most of these cattle were fed a high concentrate diet, uh, given two hormone implants, 
um, and fed rectopamine 30 days uh, to harvest. Perfect. And now, now there is a, a third section of the manuscript as well, right? Right. And so finally, the third part they looked at was carcass performance. So they collected data from beef, beef on dairy, and posting cattle um, at processing plants to get that uh, the carcass data. Great. So now we have our three sections, the dairy farm, the feedlot, and the processing plant, right? So right. let's move on to the to the results and see what they were talking about it. So for the dairy, the biggest thing they found was that gestation length was two to three days longer for beef sires compared to Holstein sires. And so this is um, uh, when you when they breed um, a beef a beef animal, and then um, obviously gestation length is a little longer for the beef and then the dairy was a little shorter interesting um, and then calving interval tended to be six to 15 days late later or longer for beef on dairy okay. um so that was also an interesting difference that they found mm -hmm. and, and they, then, yeah they, they found something about in related to the cow producing milk producing the cows or something like that so they found that cows bred to beef semen had lower total milk yield, average daily milk yield, and peak daily milk yield. But they found that um, going to the next lactation, they did not decrease as much as Holstein cows tend to decrease um, from one lactation to the other. And they believe this might be because the beef, uh, they might be more resistant to um, uh, infection. I see. Interesting. Yeah. And, and the other thing to point out here, uh, and I don't remember if it was discussed in the manuscript. I mean, if if you bred not the highest performing cows to, to beef semen, most likely those cows are going to produce less milk as well. Right. So mm -hmm. it's 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 a little challenging to interpret that data, because if you're bringing the best cows with hostings and not the best cows with beef, uh, it's it's uh, there is a tendency that those cows are going to produce less milk as well. So it's it's hard to to correct for that, right? Right. So what about the the, the feedlot phase? So in the feedlot phase, they did find the beef on dairy were less feed efficient in the feedlot and had a lower dressing percentage than the beef um, animals, while producing more yield grade two carcasses and less yield grade four and five carcasses. Okay, so it's it's uh, in this feedlot phase, they were, again, they were comparing the purebred beef versus mm -hmm. the dairy beef crosses or the beef on dairy crosses. And yeah, dressing was less for, for the crosses, right? Mm -hmm. and, and feed efficiency was and also less. And it should be less for the crosses than the, than mm -hmm. the bad beef. And also the the crosses had a yield grade smaller than, than the purebred beef. So the purebred beef, which is something that we've seen, like they, they get fed mm -hmm. here, let's say, than the crosses, right? That's, right. that's interesting. And now what about the, the carcass? When you move to the processing plant, what are the major changes that they observe in, in, in carcass, if they observe any? So um, one difference they saw, which is something that we've seen in some of the reviews that we've looked at and people have seen anecdotally, is that the beef on dairy had leaner carcasses than the beef, but heavier carcasses than the Holstein. 
So the, they were right in the middle again, right between the two. Yes, and, and like looking at the data, it it seems like even though they try to take carcass in a more uniform group, like if if if, if like as always, we always encourage the listeners to go and look at, at the paper. Uh if you look at the numbers in the in the manuscript, most the, the final the car the hot carcass weight, it's very similar, but those changes like in rebuy, uh back fat. Like where the beef has a greater rebuy than the hostings. The beef has more back fat than the hostings. And the beef on dairy is feeding right between those two crosses, which is it sounds obviously, but we don't we don't really know yet if, if that's going to be in the middle or not, right? And that's what they, they did find less back fat for the beef on dairy compared to the beef. Um, and then they also found a greater ribeye area compared to the dairy. So again, like you said right in between those two yes that's that's interesting uh one a couple of things to point out in this in this uh that was interesting that we went we are talking about beef right and um if if we say beef we also we often think about for example angus which is the the, the largest uh beef breed in the u.s but in this case here angus like uh phenotype it was less than sixty percent on the on the beef breeds, so there was a lot of other uh, genetic breeds, the genetic groups involved in this beef group, let's say. While the beef on dairy had about eighty percent Angus phenotype, so it's it that's something that we we need to be cautious about uh, interpreting this data because the beef group has looks like has less influence from the Angus breed than actually the beef on dairy group, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously the dairy has zero <laughs> Angus phenotype, but uh, that's that's interesting. But one, one other thing to point out is that this uh, beef group, with, with, which like I said, 60% Angus phenotype, about 50% were on the selected uh, USA quality grade, while the crosses and the hostings there were only twenty five percent select. So this beef group has twice as many select carcass than the the other two genetic groups, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a I thought a very very interesting point. Yeah. So what else are we missing here? I think that covered most of the main points that I I saw as interesting. In in in, in our in our um, newsletter, you you actually finalized this with a very nice conclusion. Can you just go over that what what you wrote and what are the main take home message that that we can take from this uh, this study? So they have a couple um, because it's a three part study. They have a couple take home messages for us, and one of them is that. Really, only calving interval interval might affect the dairy management side of this. So when we're looking at how does beef on dairy affect the dairy production, that's really what we're looking at. Um, when um, And that's when we're breeding beef to dairy. Growth performance was affected very little aside from feed efficiency um, and uh, dressing percentage. And then um, beef on dairy crosses may be an optimized average between the beef and dairy uh, groups. So more work is needed to identify these trends with the newer genetic advancements and different management that we're seeing today. 
Yeah, I think this is it's great to point out. More work is needed. Uh, a lot of research has been done. We've talked about this. We are actually just finishing up our studies comparing the hosting versus hosting uh, beef crosses. And I, I mean, I'm curious to see our our numbers, but it might be feeding right in the middle, like like mm-hmm. we're seeing here. But we need to wait and see how that that that's going to look like. But those are promising numbers, promising uh, numbers for the beef on dairy. Uh, again, the it, we have to be careful when comparing because there are a lot of I, I think we've talked about this before. A lot of the semen that's being used not always are the best beef semen being used in the in the hosting cows as well. So we have to be careful sometimes when we are looking the performance of those crosses and comparing it to a really good beef uh, animal, for example, or really good hosting animal, for example. But that's really good. That's great. Anything else, bro? Nope, nothing else for me. That's great. I mean, it's it's been fun. We've talked a, a lot about beef on there in the past few months. Uh, a lot of reviews, uh, but there's a lot going on in in our research world. And hopefully we'll see those uh, numbers, peer review research, uh, or well-designed things like like in, in research, like we'd like to see coming up in the future. Hopefully next year we'll see a lot of those uh, coming up as well. So for those of you who are listening to us, thank you very much for another uh, Feedlot Research Series. We appreciate your being with us. If you want to receive this uh, research publication, just send the number of the episode with uh, Feedlot uh, Research Call to our email, kettlecalucd at gmail.com. You can also send suggestions, comments, anything else that you want to send to us. If you want to subscribe to our monthly newsletter to receive not only the summary of this research paper, but also all of the content in our podcast, please subscribe to our newsletter in the description of the episode. Uh, Anything else, just contact us. We'll be happy to help. And remember, it's always a good time for a cattle call. Some cattle call.